Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I say it every time the show starts. It's time for you to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. I always talk about gifts and passions. If you have a gift, lead with your gift. And don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My interviews are with celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. They give us their nuggets, their secrets of how they've been successful over a period of time. Maybe you can grab onto that information and be successful too. My next guest is Philip Ashley Rex. Philip Ashley Chocolates is one of the world's preeminent, see, they put that word right there, preeminent chefs and designers of luxury chocolate. He is an award-winning chocolate chocolate tour. Is that, is that correct, Philip? Chocolate tour? Okay. Yeah, you there got we it. go. Uh, founding in Memphis, Tennessee. That's right up. I mean, Atlanta. So that's just a little bit up north. You know, we all know about the barbecue. We know about that hot chicken in Memphis. Now you're about to find out about Philip Ashley Chocolates in 2012. That's when it all started. The brand has an international following and is retained by high-profile clients, top corporations, and major events to offer premium gifts. And, and we all know about the COVID-19 pandemic, how it shut down this country. Well, in February 2020, prior to the COVID shutting down the company, he had a lot of major events on it. He was on the Food Network's uh, Chop Suite. He was a finalist. And then in November of that same year, Oprah's favorite things list to buy, to put, to put in your gifts for Christmas, for whatever you wanted to do. Philip is also known for his branding and marketing expertise. Now, check this out. In 2021, he founded Uncommon Hospitality Group, a real estate development company focused on driving imagination, innovation, and impact in the mixed-use commercial real estate space. Please welcome to the show an innovator. Uh, I won't call, I won't call him an instigator because he got chocolate, you know. But he looks like my little twin brother. But please welcome <laughs> to the show, Philip Ashley Rex. How you doing, Philip? <laughs> How you doing? Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, you know, like a good-looking guy. So I got I got to throw that out right now. You know, got the beard, got the glasses. You're shining, so so. But gotta but, keep it clean every got, every week. Every I mean, week. I'm, I'm telling you, something, Phil. And people don't understand. You know, women women always say like, it's hard looking like us. It's hard right, to keep this right. up, right? You gotta keep. You gotta maintain this. This is a weekly process. I go to the barber, get a straight razor every Saturday morning. So you know, I tell you, that's why I just want to let everybody know because so, I got an identical looking guy on the phone. On video, <laughs> on my on my talk show today, that looks like me. I put in the work every day to just yeah. get up. I wish I could just walk out of that door, Philip. But people gonna right. act like I'm broke. They gonna look like I'm sick. They gonna ask me what's wrong. <laughs> All those things. So you are a brand, correct, Philip? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and like you said, they think that you know everything takes you know uh curation management you know so like i said we i i don't have hair you don't have but that there's a process to this uh, it's not easy no you know because you you come out there with a little scattered hair people act like you what's wrong man what you, do you have time you didn't have time so because that's, 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 I, reason, that's right. I, reason I started out like that talking about image talking about mm-hmm. brands talking about because that's part of what you are pursued about marketing and branding 
And Absolutely. a lot of people throw those words out because you hear about what's my because you hear branding a lot, and, and yeah. some people just saying it don't even know what that means. And then Absolutely. because sometimes they they put the word branding and marketing together, thinking it's all one word, and that's not true. You know, yeah. a brand you develop, marketing is what you do to, to put, get the word out about your brand. So talking about uh, being one of the sought off, most sought off people in that area, and how did that really start launching your own brand? How did that manifest itself into your brand, yeah. Philip? Yeah, so really it started, Rashawn, in, in 2007. Mm-hmm. I, I was um, living in Baltimore at the time, mm-hmm. living in Baltimore, working in corporate America. Uh, three o'clock in the morning, woke up from the dr- a dream and was like, okay, I'm going to be a chocolatier for the rest of my life and make chocolate for a living. Mm-hmm. And and that's literally how it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from there, it, it just became an obsession. You know, I was already in the consumer packaged goods industry. Uh, moving product, working with uh, companies and individuals. Uh, and and I'd been cooking for a long time. I, was, I started learning how to cook for my grandmother at five. And right. so I was always a really good cook. But, you know, so a lot of things kind of fell into place, ended up, you know, pursuing chocolate. And so I spent the better part of five years, the first three in particular, teaching myself about chocolate, learning everything about food. You know, how do you taste, uh, you know, the zones of the palate, studying herbs, spices, uh, proteins, you name it. And then, you know, my main goal was to recreate that stick of gum from Willy Wonka. I was always fascinated with that story um, and particularly that concept where he had the roast beef the blueberry pie uh, <laughs> and the potatoes in one thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to do that in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. And so subsequently, that's what we've become known for in putting blue cheese in chocolate. One of our, our most popular flavor one, we've won a Good Food Awards, which is kind of like a Grammys for food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that sort of thing is our French blue cheese chocolate called Savoy. Uh, and you know, we've won awards for a number of chocolates, barbecue chocolates, sweet potato mm-hmm, chocolates, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. chocolates that really tell stories. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what does your show taste like? And, and so we create something that has your personality, your DNA, your favorite foods, your favorite colors. And we kind of create and craft and extract, um, the flavor and, and turn it into a, a bonbon. Well, you know, we, we always, um, you know, sweets grabs anybody's attention, you know, their palate, as they say. And uh, chocolate is also, you know, that, that version. My wife loves chocolate. She, but, she's, but there's a different chocolate. You don't have to. Because you're going to educate me here a little bit, Philip, okay? Because you have a, your premium chocolate. Like my, my favorite yeah. premium chocolate candy is Turtles. Okay, I love those. Now, by the way, I went to your website now, yeah. <laughs> and you're out of turtles. So I was mad at you, Philip, because I love back then, that we just turned it back on the day. Okay. So just you're, you're a you little know. while ago. Because so what, what I try to do, Philip, when I, when I interview somebody like you have food, I always like to test your product and test yeah. the whole system. How does it work? So I go online and order, and I say, oh, okay, it came. I got notifications. Because that lets me know where they stand as far as trying to get the product to the customer. Because we're coming on my show, Money Making Conversation, I get a sense of who you are. And so I went on there and I said, So, turtle, oh, man, out of turtles. Because that's my favorite, man. So, so 
Well, you, well, you we, have some on the way. Okay, actually, cool. So we yes. will be very. I'll, I'll be very happy, and I'll be posting it on my social media too. Me eating yeah. the your, your Philip Ashley chocolate turtles because yeah. tell us why. What is the difference between me just grabbing some off the shelf? And I'm just no, not just being derogatory. Like oh. a Snickers bar has chocolate around it, or, or anything like that, versus your premium chocolates that you serve. Yeah, no, that's a great question. We what we really focus on, like I said, is that storytelling element. And so it's not just chocolate or a box of candy. It really is an experience. You know, where else are you going to find uh, a chocolate that has uh, sweet potato in it? Or in particular, we have chocolates that are a collard green and cornbread chocolate right, that right, actually right. tastes good and tastes like the things that we say are in it. Yes, and sir. so, you know, truly handcrafted, like we are in here. In Memphis, I'm in my chocolate factory, the 2.0 version <laughs> of it, uh, and we make everything by hand. I'm sourcing the best ingredients. We're constantly scouring the earth for the best cocoa beans out of Ghana, out of Cote d'Ivoire. You know, where can we get the the best strawberries from? Whose farm do we need to go to? Um, you know, it's just always in this constant, perpetual state of daydreaming, new flavors new ideas and and then how do we bring those to fruition uh in the chocolate and and so that's what you're getting different from your standard variety chocolate on the shelf right. you know we we have chocolates something else that's on its way to you we do a, a collection for uncle nearest uh which is a premium whiskey wow uh, they the amazing whiskey makers their distillery is here in tennessee not too far from us just outside of Nashville. And so we have an entire collection that captures the whiskeys they have. But not just that. We didn't just throw whiskey in the chocolate. We said, okay, what's the story of Uncle Nearest? What's the story of Lincoln County and the process mm -hmm. that differentiates Tennessee whiskey from bourbon? How do we convey that through a bonbon? And so that's really what you're getting. Now, when, you, when we, we talk about you you based in Memphis, Tennessee. Yep. Yes. Like I said earlier, barbecue, chicken, you know, uh, the little ducks, you know, <laughs> oh, music. And then you, the chocolatier. Now, yes. you say you, you was in Boston, you know, 2007, you was in Boston. Baltimore, Baltimore, yes. Uh, Baltimore, excuse me. Now you're yes. down in um, Memphis. What mm -hmm. made, what inspired you to go in this direction, other than the fact it was a passion, it was carried off from a childhood dream, Willy Wonka, because a lot of people will doubt you. A lot of people will tell you, man, you know, well, you need to be making those soul food restaurants, something that people going to buy a lot of, because people yeah. don't conceptualize this business. Like I always tell people, people understand a nine to five. When yeah. I left my job to tell people I wanted to be a stand-up comic, they went, how are you going to make money? Well, quite mm -hmm. frankly, I couldn't really tell you either, but I mm -hmm. knew this is what I wanted to do for my life, my dream. Right. And right. so right. when you made the decision to do what you had to do, there was a lot of doubts. Talk about walking through that process and then when it started clicking for you professionally. Yeah, and I believe you can attest to this. I think when when you really are driven by, you know, purpose, passion, and a, and a real desire, like you said, with comedy, you know, and, and you've obviously learned this, that, you know, that's going to make way for you and make room right. for you. And uh -huh. particularly when you're, you know, you're, you're like, I was just driven. Like I couldn't do anything else yes. if I wasn't doing this essentially. Mm -hmm. And and I can do a lot of other things, 
just by the means of survival, so to speak. But, you know, to truly live and it didn't matter about struggling or not struggling, you know, it was like, okay, this is something that I have to do. Uh, and, and so through again, you know, and I've always just been different and I learned real early, I think like my sophomore year in college, I was working a, a part-time job at a call center and I knew then that entrepreneurship was the way I was going. Right. And again, I, and, and I'm, I never, I, I'm always in for and understand the need for a nine to five. Heck, we have people that work for us, you know, <laughs> and, and that's, we, we love our employees. We work well and hard for them to make sure that they make a living wage and all of that. But I knew for me personally, I wanted to be the employer and then I wanted to create something through the talent and, and, and the imagination and the gifts um, that I've been fortunate to be blessed with. And, and chocolate again was that medium. Right. And like I said, you know, there are writers, there are directors, there's actors, there's all sorts of t- storytellers. And I've always been fascinated by mm-hmm. the storytelling world, playwrights, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just growing up, you know, I've written plays in school and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, you know, but I wanted to marry three things, you know, my passion for storytelling, my love of food and, and my deep interest uh, in the consumer packaged goods industry. And I understood very early on that creating a product and being able to move product across a supply chain and then creating a sustainable one is, is where it's at. Uh, and so I wanted to bring those three things together. Now, in bringing those things together, two things that happened to you in 2020, and I'm just going to break it apart. One was the Parents on Food Network, the the competition, and then Oprah's favorite things list. Mm -hmm. Now, me, if I was your manager, sir, and I go, Mm -hmm. okay, you, you have a popular brand out there, why would you go on a competition show where if you don't win, you know, you're considered a loser? Okay, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Oh, you made the finalists. Food Network. Hey, we I watch the Food Network all the time. I know who you are. Right. Okay, because right. I saw you on Food Network. Okay, okay. And Chop Sweet's yeah. one of my favorite shows. So when you start, that's the part of the brand we we're talking about. You have marketing, you have branding. Okay, so when you made that decision, what was the idea and the concept? Because it wasn't about money. So right. what was right. it about? Well, just a general uh, spirit of competition. You know, I wanted to go on uh, what what I feel like is a big stage yes, uh, for food and for, for chefs mm-hmm. and compete. You know, I played sports and it's <laughs> rare nowadays that we actually have a chance to, uh, at least for me, to, to uh, compete against others in, in, in a true arena, so to speak. And so I thought that was fun. Then, of course, it's Food Network. I mean, Love Food Network, grew up watching it. Yes, sir. Um, always been around it, you know, particularly at, you know, at its height. Uh, and so Chop was a, a has definitely been a favorite of mine. And so when they came out with the sweet version, I was like, yeah, of course I want to do it. Right. You know, I do the regular one. So right. the, uh, the, the original. So um that was that was really the the thought process behind that. Um, you know, losing uh or not finishing was never entered my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I even think, you know, and, and, and my friend Amber Kroon, who, who I know. Uh, I know Amber. Uh, mm-hmm. Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, she did a fantastic job. You know, of course, the competition uh, or the competitor in me 
is like, yeah, I should have won, yes, but sir. at the same time, <laughs> she did a great job as well. So, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, yeah, she's very talented, Amber. I know her very well. Yeah, uh, okay. And so, so, so that. But what did it do as far as your popularity? Did it bring visual recognition? Did it bring? Did it bring uh, sales to your brand? News articles, of course, especially in the market of Memphis. Talk about sure. that part of the the the, the blessing. Yeah, it, it was definitely one of the those things, you know, continuing to seek national uh, uh, acclaim, visibility, which leads to growth. And that was the real uh, motivation behind it. This is a, a, a large stage where I get to showcase not only my talent, but talk about my brand, my business uh, and my product uh, in an in, on, in a um, media or on a medium that put us in front of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Yes, sir. Uh, millions of people, uh, vi- viewers around the country and even the world. And so, you know, we f- we ship internationally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've always been thinking beyond the four walls of Memphis, you know, and, and that's really the, the, the main thing. And like I said, my goal was to, uh, you know, win, of course, but if not win, have a good showing. And I felt like that would, that accomplished. You know, people would know who we were and what we do here. Absolutely, and you you've accomplished that, like because you you came on my radar. You came on my radar, and so so now we're talking to Philip. Uh, you know, he's the founder and CEO of Philip Ashley Chocolates. Now let's fast forward to November. Now, yeah. you know. Oprah's favorite things. That's a definitely different conversation. Now, you know the, the beauty of life, man. If Oprah is two black people in America that you always won't be associated with. Tyler mm-hmm. Perry. If Tyler Perry call you, that means you got an acting job. <laughs> if Oprah call right. you, that means she likes something you're doing. Okay. Right. In this right. case, Oprah Oprah people call you, contact you, say, "Hey, man, your chocolates." What yeah. was your reaction to that, man? And what did you do to capitalize on that opportunity she gave you to be on that list? Yeah, well, first of all, I was just grateful. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm all about, you know, setting goals, creating a vision, working to manifest it. And, you know, and a lot of it is, you know, timing, opportunity, um, favor, luck, whatever you want to call it. And so, you know, I said eight years ago when I found the company, man, we should be one of Oprah's favorite things. Clearly, yes, we weren't ready then. Mm-hmm. Even when we got the call, um, which would have been this time last year when we got the original call saying, hey, we're looking at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when we months later, when we got the final, hey, you know, you're one of them and we want the perfect turtle uh, to be <laughs> uh, that product. And, and we make a really good turtle. I think you'll enjoy it. Oh. Uh, and so <clears throat> it was a huge thing. Of course, it's Oprah, you know, the amount of attention. Um, of course, we had to also contend with the pandemic. So uh, in a year where one of the biggest things that could happen to us, the world is essentially um, on hold. And, you know, all the things that all the challenges that came with that, uh, I'll I'll tell you was, you know, but ultimately that was, it was a great opportunity, huge momentum generated behind that, uh, which put us again on an even bigger Mm-hmm. more national and international stage mm-hmm. than Food Network mm-hmm. uh, did. And then that led to other opportunities and other visibility. Um, you know, and we also, I'll tell you, we had some some mighty challenges mm-hmm. uh, navigating uh, that world because, as you know, growing, growing really, really quickly is difficult. 
Yes, it is. Um, it's even harder when, you know, again, not to make excuses, but the pandemic created challenges mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, we, I had to figure creative ways around. Right. And so um, dealing with backlog, dealing with, uh, you know, only being able to have so many people uh, in, in an area for so long, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, uh, you know, so it was tough. But I'll tell you what, it, it definitely taught me a lot, not only about myself, but how I see the business, how I operate. And we've been making some incredible enhancements to our operation to increase production, to um, communicate with our customers more efficiently and effectively. And really, again, just make the experience from start to finish that much more favorable uh, and and more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So ultimately... I'm super grateful that she found us, even with the challenges that came our way and the things that we had to navigate. You know, I think you learn the most out of things like that. You know, if it were just, oh, you know, Oprah caught us up, you know, we sold and we did well in sales. Mm -hmm. But also, if there was no challenge behind it or nothing that really pushed me I mean, you may we may not be talking, and it would just be like another thing. Yes, you know sir. what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know the thing about it. I, I think from a standpoint of, I, we all know how uh, uh, minority business, a business of color, and African American were impacted by COVID. But the blessing yeah. of it is that I think as restaurant owners and entrepreneurs, we learned. We learned. Mm-hmm. We learned that we were kind of like cheating ourselves on how we should be doing our business model, right. and COVID and all the pandemic said, okay, there's a model to win with long-term and you need to have a plan B. Mm-hmm. And the plan B should move you forward. And the plan B is not a, a plan that's to say you're trying to shortchange yourself. It's to let you know that the perfect world does not exist. And you should have options of how you sell your product. And when he was saying, what Philip was saying about is that you could be selling business, but that doesn't mean a, when you're selling stuff, that means that your, your dollar comes back to you as fast as you sell it. So that means when somebody like an Oprah or a massive business come in and say, hey, we want a lot of your product, okay, there's a payment period that you got to also also be able to deliver to the people and say, hey, I got to buy the product, I got to make the product, and I got to ship the product. So you got to have, have revenue or, or income sitting there or some type of investor to come in and be able to help you move that product to the level so you can deliver on time and be and be recommended as a company of choice and also be recommended as a company that can deliver what they say. That's what people have to understand when they're talking about these products. And that's what just one of the great skills that you develop and that you talk about. And people come to you, right, Philip, in regards yeah. to these levels of conversation. Talk about that. Yeah, um, you know, just talked to Shelby County government. Uh, Mayor Lee Harris had me talk to his folks about that very thing and really, you know, focusing, um, you know, and 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 that's what we've had to do, focus in, in me personally right. as the business owner. There's so many things and, you know, people are always kind of coming at you with this or that, you know, really focusing on ensuring the long-term success of the business uh, and and part of that is is really being agile right. and, and and how to pivot, you know, and and create opportunities out of even you know duress in a sense, you know. Well, what are the difficult things that have come via uh, this opportunity? What mistakes did we make, uh, and how can we improve on them, enhance, and then prevent those same things from occurring the next time? And so um, that's again just 
just understanding how to develop the business to scale it, you know, because, you know, I'm trying to 5X, 10X this mm-hmm. thing and beyond. Mm-hmm. And, and so how do we improve our standard operating procedures? How do we um, bring in employees, train them more effectively? Uh, how do we refine our product? Uh, you know, how do we communicate and market and even be on stages such as this and on your show? Then let people know that, hey, you know, we are a small business that's growing. We are a black owned business, mm-hmm. but, you know, we, we do an amazing job at what we do. Yes, sir. So. Let, let's talk about it because you kind of walked about, which I, which I want to lean into my next question is about putting young black men and women in this in the craft trade environment. Yes, talk sir. about that. And then I want to close with you talking about your uncommon hospitality group. Yeah. So um, it's real important. And I mentioned, you know, earlier about just uh, securing a sustainable supply chain. And for me, that's both in sourcing um, raw materials. So from our our cocoa um, beans and things of involvement in Africa and beyond, uh, but also with our employees, with our with with the labor uh, and particularly being in Memphis, Memphis, like a lot of other cities. Um, we have a, we're 70% African-American, mm-hmm. you know, 70% of Memphis is black. And so with that, you know, my focus from an employment standpoint uh, has really turned the focus on young men and women, African-American and of color uh, between the ages of 18 and 21 specifically, because these are folks that, you know, they're, if they're not going to college, um, and, and these, I just hired another young man yesterday. He started today, uh-huh. 18, just graduated, wasn't going to college, but of course, high schools aren't really focusing on trades anymore either. Uh-huh. Uh, so bringing them in, showing them a craft trade, uh, and then saying, look, you know, we're going to pay you $15 an hour, uh-huh. uh, for the first year. But by the end of the first year, you will be upwards to $20 an hour. Wow. So it, at 19, barely 20, you're going to be making 40 plus thousand dollars in a city where the median income or the problem is like 35. Right. So mm-hmm. we, we got you above that at a young age. But I'm also working with uh, folks like my friend uh, up in uh, Pittsburgh, Maya Eric, um, that will help with financial planning and mm-hmm. doing all those kind of things mm-hmm. uh, that will work with these young folks to not only make money, but when they're 25, 35, and 45, they understand the value of the dollar that they've earned and they can go off and do investing and do other things. And so that's the bigger picture, not to just employ them today and pay them 15 bucks or 20 bucks, but really set them on a course of success. And and, and honestly, looking at some of the things that I had to navigate between 18 and 42. Right. <laughs> uh, and if I can knock out a few of those roadblocks, yes. you know, then, you know, hopefully it's, it's a good thing. And uh, the Uncommon Hospitality Group. Yes. Uncommon Hospitality Group is something that, you know, is, is really a part of me in my next kind of phase of, yes, of, of bringing a real chocolate factory to life. But uh, again, I'm all about the experience. You know, so I curate things like a, a, a grand masquerade ball in the uh, in November. Mm-hmm. You know, we do all these really cool tastings, virtual tastings, mm-hmm. live tastings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, again, the chocolate is a big experiential element. And mm-hmm. so taking that feel and that brand 
to commercial real estate where mixed use, um, you know, so then bringing in black owned businesses, wine companies, uh, restaurants, uh, you know, commercial businesses and even uh, residential. And so that's what it's all about. Starting here in the heart of Memphis, uh, working to source several properties to put together a, a, just a really cool experience for people to come, not only experience Philip Ashley chocolates, but that's that's the anchor or core, but then just kind of see a community uh, that that is business oriented uh, and focused on consumer goods and focused on consumer experience uh, and, 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 and living in a downtown community uh, and just kind of showing people that there are other folks that can develop you know, really cool things uh, in a city as well. So. I tell you, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, he's based in Memphis. Uh, you can buy his uh, products online, international, domestic. But more importantly, when you go to Memphis nowadays, you, you go up there for the blues, you go up there for the hot chicken, go up there for the barbecue. Now you go up there for the turtles, the, yeah, the perfect yeah. turtles down there, the Philip Ashley chocolates. Hey, Philip, yeah. man, thank you for coming. Philip, thank you for coming on my show, man, Money Making Conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has and, been, a, and, been a pleasure. So and you know, it's always it. nice looking at my twin brother, too. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. I love you, man. Was whatever. I love it. I love it, brother. Well, I'm going to get up to Memphis, man. And you say in the fall you do some things. I want to come up there and be part of it. Just yeah, hang we'll out with you. We'll send you the calendar. We'd love to have you out. And also, uh, when you do a next virtual testing, send it to me so I can post it on my social media and put my newsletter, okay? Sir, will do. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Philip, for coming on Money Making Conversation. If you want to hear or see any of my interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. 